0: like speak up and speak slowly. Okay. Okay. So, this is Loud as Love, Episode 8, Season 2. I am Lauren Darcy. I am here with my friend Tim. Hello. Hello. Hello.
1: hello. Okay.
0: So, you were telling me a story about Elliot Smith. Yeah. When we hung out last.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: What was it?
1: So, I, you know, when I was like, I was like 17, I was like 16 when Either Or came out. Right. I was 17 when like EXO came out. Right. And those were just like huge, huge life-changing records for me. Like Elliot, obviously I've been a big fan of a lot of musicians in my life, but... Elliot Smith is probably, like, the only one where I ever had anything approaching an unhealthy fandom. Right. You know, like... Fanboy. Just fucking obsessed. Obsessed, you know? yes. And... Why? Um, what's that? Why? Why?
0: Why are you so I, obsessed?
1: I, I was... I mean, I've... The, the obsession is toned down a little bit. But um, I think just, like... It was several things. One, just, like, the emotional resonance of his music was unlike anything I, I knew at that time. And also, I grew up in New Hampshire... Yes. Where it's kind of provincial, like culture. The internet was the internet, but it wasn't. This is the late 90s, so it wasn't like. I mean, now there's just like a cultural democratization that comes with the internet in terms of like you can live in fucking bumfuck Idaho, Iowa or whatever, and like, but you can be totally tuned in to cool shit music that's happening. And there is you're like subject to your geography a little more, so. There wasn't that much indie stuff that reached me, but you know, he did the music on Goodwill that Goodwill hunting thing. Right. So I saw the Oscars and that was the first time I heard him and I was like, whoa, what is this? This is awesome. Right. So, you know, I was into lots of like punk and stuff at the time. So it was the first time where I was like, wow, this is kinda like punk, but it's like quiet and acoustic. It just was like not stylistically like anything else I was into at the time. And then I was also trying to learn how to be a songwriter. So with EXO especially. Just the orchestrations he did and like the piano and strings and everything. And it was, you know, obviously it's a very Beatles-oriented thing. But right. just the combination of when you start learning his music, how to actually play, is just very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So I was really drawn to that. There was not a lot of pop or rock music that's as sophisticated as his music, musically speaking. Right. Um, and then just like the emotional, you know, just the emo-y 17-year-old mm-hmm. kid in me was like, yeah, I'm sad. I want to get drunk and be sad. You know what I mean? Like just like and he was like articulated that emotion every song, every song. extremely clearly. Right. Um probably wasn't the best person to like emulate in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: like, absolutely not. Like I but don't
1: drink now at right. all and it's probably cuz I drank too much, much. starting then. And it was like method acting my way into like Shame. being one of these characters. But at that time, it was at the height of my obsession. And um, so, does that answer your question?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but what I wanted to know is, have you ever seen him live? Or yeah, you, oh, you so have. that's
1: what this story is. Okay. So, um, he was, it was between EXO and figure eight, and um, figure eight was done, and it was gonna be coming out relatively soon. And uh, I had not seen him yet up to that point. And okay. so I had tickets to see him at the Middle East in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, and it was just going to be a solo show. Just him playing by himself, acoustic, which is what I wanted to see. Um, that was very novel at the time, somehow, for the 90s rock thing, seeing this like solo acoustic kind of troubadour thing. It's a lot more common now, probably partly because of him. but. Uh, so, I went to the show, got there early, super close, you know, everything. He played a, you know, set mix of some new songs from Figure 8 and blah, blah, blah. And obviously lots of older stuff. This must have been, like, 2000, 2000. Okay. 2000, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, so, great show, you know. And then afterwards, I was like, I'm fucking meeting Elliot Smith tonight. There's no way <laughs> I'm not meeting Elliot Smith tonight. So, uh you know, show's over, everyone's scattering in the crowd and everything and I'm not scattering. I'm just staying right by the stage. And in the Middle East there's just one little green room off the stage. Yeah. And I'm like how am I going to get in there? And then I see these like maybe five sort of official looking people walking in the direction of the dressing room. Looks like you know, just music industry people. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I am following them into the dressing room. <laughs> so I like... Uh, Did you
0: get a pass? No, no You just no. looked cool. I just
1: literally followed them in the dressing room, like oh the sixth of six. There's like five people in front of me. Right. And then they're standing there, and I think there are people who like combination people who worked at the record label, maybe people who worked for his management, blah, blah, blah. Right. The situation as I was able to assess it at that point was this one guy who works with him was bringing other people to meet him. Right. And uh, so this guy is going down the line. He's introducing each individual person. He's like, and this is so-and-so. He blah, blah, blah. This is so-and-so. And And he gets to me. The guy next to me was named Billy. So he introduces Billy. And then he gets to me. He's like, are you with Billy? And I'm like, yeah. And Billy just laughs. Doesn't fucking narc me out. I was like, "Fuck yeah, we're in business."
0: We're in business. So,
1: uh, real, real one. So yeah. So thanks, Bill. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I owe you, Billy, for the rest of my life. Anyway, <laughs> it was at that point, you know, shook hands with him. He gave the limpest handshake I've ever had I'm in my sure. life. It was just like a, like a king's, like, you know. Right.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Um, like, just like a yeah, finger poke. Yeah, just like, poke, like, like <laughs> I
1: feel like I remember maybe a little clammy even. I mean, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead here, but. Uh, right. But, and then at that point, I completely revealed that I was. Was a
0: fanboy. Yeah, because oh. I just was
1: like. I just want to like thank you for your music oh, and blah blah blah. Just like Crippling super embarrassing. Right. No, it wasn't the guilt. I just like wanted at that point him to know like yo like I just need right. to know your music super important to me.
0: Was that at the height of his fame? Was he like pretty super much? Weird? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'd say like it. it was when Figure Eight was about to come out, yeah. which people were. It was the apex of people paying attention. I would say, um, I and. It. Uh, and he was like super uncomfortable with people telling him that they loved his music, basically. You know what I mean? Like it, oh, I could yeah. just tell he was like it was he just it was painful to him hearing me like gush right. at so him. You, you just know lose what I mean? It. Yeah. He just like you could feel he just wanted to like keep all that stuff out. Like right. he didn't want to have it in his head. But he was just like, Oh, thank you so much, that's really sweet. And, and that was all I really needed, you right. know? And at that point, it was clear that I was just some fan, so right. I wasn't trying to just, like, hang out and wear out my welcome. Peace, fine. Yeah, so I just peaced out. I went to my car and cried, and it was <laughs> great. It was fucking awesome, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So that was my meeting Elliot Smith story. And I'm glad I got to, because he was dead, like, three years later, yeah. so. Yeah, nice. But, but, looping back around, It all sort of returned in a way because I was in a band called Wild Light that had a deal with uh, Columbia Records for a few years and we got to do a lot of fun stuff. Right. One of which was make a record with Rob Schnaff, who's a producer who's produced a million records that you've heard. Um, you know, he produced early Beck stuff, he produced the Vines, he's produced, uh, he produces most Kurt Vile stuff at this point. I moment. love Kurt Vile. You know, he did, he produced Kurt Vile's, like, one big hit, The Pretty Pimpin' Song. Right. And now I, I know he did his most recent record, but anyway, he did all of Elliot's stuff. I
0: love Violator. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, Great. It's great. It's
1: great stuff. It's great stuff. Um, and, you know, those records sound really good, largely because of Rob Schnaff. Right. And he did, um... All of Elliott's records after Elliott was no longer just recording himself. So basically, either or through the end, he even mixed his posthumous record. Okay. Um, So, super great guy. But we did, um, we were recording in LA at many of the studios that uh, they did a lot of XO at. Right. And maybe even some stuff after. And Elliot Smith was super prolific. He recorded tons of stuff that never came out and still hasn't come out. Even all these like B side collections. Like there's tons more stuff. Right. So, we were recording at the end of one of the days. The owner of the studio came in. He was like, "Rob, I've been meaning forever. I have these old reels because they recorded." analog still with them they did the Elliot stuff they recorded on tape it wasn't all digital yet he was like I have these reels up on this shelf for years that I've been meaning to give you from Elliot so let me give them to you now so he gives him these old reels that Rob hasn't heard since they recorded them and so we had our day of recording at the end of the day they did what you know what they would call a digital dump which is like they pull up the reels on the reel-to-reel machine and they just play them so play that, them
0: back, yeah, like in the them. studio, yeah, so okay. that
1: basically they can record them into the computer. so okay. then they have them in the computer. Okay, so they did that, and it was crazy. Like, they play, it was like three or four songs, and I got to hear these songs that no one has ever heard of Elliot Smith. I mean, it was literally, and they none of them have come out on any of the B side collections or anything, so I mean, literally, you know, this is like five six years after I met him and he's dead and I'm sitting here like in a studio with the guy who made his records hearing these Elliott Smith songs that literally the only to this day the only people on earth who have heard them are the people who made them and the four people in my band and you (laughs) yeah and you it was like one of those moments where I was like I had to pinch myself a little bit like okay I might be on in some way the right track here that this is where I ended up in this moment of my life I definitely was like one of those moments where you're like holy shit. you have to take a step back and be like wow right how did this happen this I'm is left crazy left right so those are my brushes and of course rob is like just weeping of openly course. while we're Why listening to stuff i mean this Why is just like you? a couple years after he died so it's definitely still fresh grief and rob Rob was really close to him because his wife was also his manager. Oh, cool! So they were just like super close. He was his best friend. You right. can actually see him on the—he's on the cover of XO. XO has that like photo collage. Really. And in the middle, there's this picture of a guy with a like a goatee, and it looks like he has an afro. Right. That's Rob. No it's shit. It's not his actual afro. I guess they were wearing wigs like all the time when they were making that record. That's but like, oh, Anyway, those are my my brushes with. My one obsession. one and only. Yeah, You're like only. yeah. I mean it's not my one and only. There's lots of music that I love and have been obsessed with. But he was the only one where I was just like at one point I had to like set it down set for a long it. Oh, time. Sure. And digest it like, it. This is just like not I need other fucking influences. Right. You know what I mean? i
0: have to, <laughs> I have to I have to be well rounded. Yeah,
1: exactly. You exactly. Know? So that those were some good ones. That was fun. <laughs> Pretty good.
0: Yeah. I uh I met Patty Smith.
1: One yeah, time. yeah, you told I me was lost lost this story. is amazing. New York. I know this is an amazing story. And
0: um, I was lost in New York, and I didn't really know where I was going. And usually, you know, when you're in New York, you're kind of in your own borough. Mm-hmm. And I was somewhere in Manhattan, and I was generally lost. But it was June, and I saw this woman in a blazer with a red scarf, red sunglasses, red cowboy boots, and I was like, "That's Patty fucking Smith!
1: <laughs> Holy shit!" And I go
0: up to her, and I'm like. Hey, um, I'm really lost. Can you tell me where blah, blah, blah is? I'm trying to find it. And she's like, you know, I got time to kill. I'll walk with you. And she's like, where are you from? What do you want to be? And at the time, I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, cool. I'm a writer. I was like, I'm a writer. I'm I'm a (laughs) writer. And I just bought it. I was like, "Oh, really? That's cool." Like, what else do you do? She's like, "Oh, sometimes I play music. Sometimes, sure, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, cool." And I had to like swallow it. I am sweating bullets. I can't believe
1: you were able to not explode at that point. You were able to just like play along.
0: When you work in entertainment or theater, you have to or film or whatever and you work with people that you've idolized you have to like pull it out of your fucking skull and be professional Mm -hmm. I held it together because I wanted to spend so much time with her I was like if I blow this she'll run away like a rabbit I just that's
1: the part that impresses me is the forethought at that moment is impressive to me
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so uh, you know we hung out for like an hour and a half and then she showed me the store we were like walking around the city walking like through chelsea with fucking patty smith and so finally as we're like splitting up and she like shows me the store she's like oh i gotta go back to brooklyn my daughter's working on my house like okay cool i have a patty smith tattoo and i was like hey look um i am lost (laughs) uh, but but i need you to know that i know who you are (laughs) and what you've done for me and she was like she's older at this point she's like you." You know who I am I was like Yeah dude Like I totally Fucking know who you are And she was like
1: Oh
0: Really Like she's fascinating about it I was like Yeah I have a fucking Like tattoo Like a horse tattoo Blah 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 For horses And like Path that cross Will cross again And she's like Can I see it She was like Intrigued That I knew who she was And she's like Can I see it And I showed it to her And she's like Wow Like our paths have crossed And I was like Yeah And then I hugged her And I Uh, ran behind a dumpster, and she went the other way, and I threw up. (laughs) I was like, man, this is fucking
1: happening.
0: So that's my my fanboy story. But you've been in Austin for how many years? Since 2015. 2015, same. Mm -hmm. Okay. What... Was, did music bring you down here? Did you follow a band yeah, down a here? a
1: variety of things. Real quick, though, I've met Patti Smith, too. I played, Have a you? Show, uh, I played a show with her daughter's band in, No shit, Jesse. at Lit Lounge. Yeah. No shit. And she was there. She showed up, Patti Smith. That's and you mean. were like, that's cool. Yeah, she seems just like super. She's, <laughs> what you said about her being surprised is that she just seems like one of the chillest, of oh chill. most so down chill. to, down-to-earth oh people. So sweet. Yeah. So that's, sweet. that's the vibe I got too. Yeah. Um, but anyway.
0: Did you talk to her or no? You just saw Just like, saw like
1: maybe for a minute. I also, I, I didn't, sometimes it's like I'll see somebody that I think is cool or that is famous and I'll be like, my contribution to them is going to be not talking to them. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like right. there's I sometimes to- I like, I gotta do it and sometimes I'm like, oh, it's cool that I saw them. And right. I'm going to let them do their thing, right. you know what I mean? It's kind of like that. She was there watching her daughter's band, you know? Yeah. One of the other guys in my band talked to her. He, like, really tried to edge his way in there. I'm just right. like, I'm just not going to do that. It's cool that she's here. She saw my band. That's cool. That's, that's enough that's for me tonight, you know what I mean? What
0: band was it? They're
1: called Wild Light. Okay. Um. Yeah, we had a deal for a few years. Got to do some fun stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, coming to Austin, no, nah, it was a variety of things. Like, I was in the Boston area and I was really tired of it. I was really tired of the winters. And then I'd been to Austin many times. I'd played here many times. I knew it was one of my favorite places in the country. And then my parents moved here from Southern California where they were. So then I had family here, and it was just was like perfect storm of circumstances. It made it really easy. And uh, and yeah, just the music part of it. I wanted to be somewhere where there's just more going on. Right. And it's great. I love it.
0: And has it helped you musically being here? Yeah, for sure. I
1: mean, like, I mean, in terms of my career, I mean, yeah, like, you know, my band now is all people I met here, but, like, they're from other places. Like, my rhythm section is from Jersey, outside Philly. (laughs) Right. My piano player is from Chicago. And, I mean, yeah, just, like, the ease with which I was able to find professional Extremely good, extremely committed musicians right. to be a part of what I was doing. It just wouldn't have happened in Boston. Elsewhere, right, it, not many Elsewhere. places at all. Right. The thing that's interesting here is like it's, you know, we're from the East Coast cities. Right. Austin is a town. It's, it's not a, right. a city. Sure. Um, even though the metro area is probably comparable to Boston, it just it doesn't feel like a city. It feels like right. a town, which is what a big part of what I like about mm-hmm. it. Right. Is that it just feels like more chilled. But the volume like of, the of musical activity here. Is comparable to much bigger places. Oh yeah. You know, so like if you're a musician and I'm um, at this point, I, I don't want to deal with living in New York or L.A. Right. Austin, there's just like with music specifically, there's just enough going on here that it's that's sort of comparable. You know, I mean, there's not the same high ceiling of like fucking major label type shit, but in terms of like building a crew and a, right, a community and a community and yeah. just like having being really active and there are you know avenues to bigger you know career type opportunities and stuff and more and more people move here and i love it i I don't want to fucking i just hope that cost of living kind of plateaus which i do get the sense that property and stuff it's going to go up but i do get the sense the exponential yeah it's leveling a little bit because if it goes over the threshold it's at now you're going to see already a good amount of people have had to leave but you're going to see a whole different level of exodus if right. if cost of housing goes up another 20% it's going to push into a zone where it becomes a very difficult for a large number of people Right. but I think the music thing is so in its soul you know it's like New York fucking New York's insane. It's absurd trying to live in New York. And yet, every day, a fucking million kids move to Brooklyn to start bands. Right. So it just, maybe Austin becomes a little bit less the place where you can go, and it's like, dude, I can live cheap and work two days a week and be a musician here, more the place where it's like, all right, there's so much shit going on here, I want to be a part of it, but I got to go here and I got to kind of make it here a little bit. But it's still, like, if you're coming from the East Coast, dude, like, my fucking apartment is half what I'd be paying in Boston, you know what I mean? Like it's. Still not like these East Coast. I don't know. You know. I disagree.
0: I'm having a whale of a up time. It's getting for you. But, uh, you know, I, I think one of the greatest things about Austin is Sunday to Sunday, you can see live music. Yeah,
1: every night. Every or, night. Yeah.
0: And nine times out of ten, they're really good. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know
0: what I mean? Like a mediocre band in Austin is like top band right, in Jersey right. or Boston. Totally. Or in New York, you totally. know? And I think one of the really special things about it is the resilience of these venues, yeah. you know? And, and just like, if one goes down, another one pops up. Yeah. If one goes down, another one pops up. And I know they're like fighting to stay here, but I also think like it's a worthy fight. Absolutely. You know?
1: That is the interesting moment we're at in Austin, I think, is like... We've seen other cities just end, like San Francisco is fucking gone. It's not like it's less cool or like, oh, it used to be cool here, now you gotta go here and it's cool. No, it's, done. it's all it's over. fucking gone. gone, all of it. And uh, it's just tech bros and homeless people and not much that's in between and it's fucking terrible it's so depressing i mean even like 10 15 years ago when i would play shows there it's like Um, dude this is is such a fucking weird place it's so unique here there's nowhere like this place right it's gone
0: it's gone gone. and same
1: with seattle it's gone right um but at the same time so us and all those fucking assholes are moving here now. You know what I mean? It's like
0: well, you know, on a on a more like positive level, I really do think that Seattle still has an incredible music scene. Okay. and I still feel that like even though there's an influence of people that are not moving here for music, mm-hmm. there's still a real joy of music that you can see in Austin and you can also see it in Seattle Mm -hmm. you know and I I think that that gets misconstrued with the stress of living here Mm -hmm. but also like I had a ball at yeah. South by,
1: yeah, I had, I had a blast. I had a fucking blast. You yeah. know what I
0: mean? And it's expensive, and it's shitty, and there's people on but scooters. You can also
1: find a million free shows yeah. too, especially. I, at the South I mean, by. I didn't
0: spend a dime yeah. for like a month, and I had a boss. Right. You know, and there's not many places in the U.S. Absolutely. that you can still do that. Yeah. And I think that that's what? really beautiful still in 2023. Yeah,
1: and I think too, it'll be interesting. I mean, with a place like San Francisco, it's like, okay, on some level, it makes sense because San Francisco is a tech town. Sure. Like, tech started in San Francisco. Right. So the fact that it would ultimately prevail there over other things, it makes sense. It would happen there of all places. Right. You know, Seattle's always been a tech place too, but not right. to the same extent, but right. Austin's always been a music place. Right. It's become a tech place. Right. But the the music, music thing is, is the there. thing that's in the soul oh, of that's the it. place.
0: That's so it.
1: that, I think, will be the really interesting thing to see over the next 10 years or so. Sure. How that navigates. It. Because I just think, like, it's so deep. It's not going to lose the way it did in San Francisco. No. It might change. Sure. But, like... But it'll evolve. People will fucking riot in the streets. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. people will not accept... No. ...it going away no. here. You know? I hope. I hope. So... I just, what I know is like I'm so happy living here and I don't see, I just want to live here as long as I can. You yeah. Know? I believe it. I just love that I live like there's like trees and like nature and, but I'm also okay. like five minutes from downtown. Right. Like that's very unique. You can't oh, have yeah. that in most cities that no. are, have the amount of music here. Not like at all.
0: Not at all. Ah, uh, so back to the venue. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite?
1: favorite venue in Austin yeah Ooh, shit.
0: mine's Mohawk
1: yeah I mean Mohawk's the one that I and I go to the most yeah me too like if I'm seeing a band that's on tour the demographic of bands that I'm going to see is likely going to play at Mohawk, Mohawk.
0: yeah it's Spills
1: not even spill like Bill is playing tonight yeah
0: I know
1: yeah that'd be a good and that's the thing is it's bands like that and Mohawk isn't that big so it's always like a really good show I've seen right. like Guided by Voices there. Mm-hmm. I saw Malcomas. I saw Yola Tango there. there Yola
0: Tango's amazing.
1: Um, Autumn Sweater. Seen their, I've seen a million... I've seen... A t- I saw during... I saw Black Angels during right. uh, South By. Same. Um, oh, you were at that one? I was at that one. Yeah. I was DJing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I seen many shows there that and it's not even like i seek it out it's just where i end the show where i end see up right. ends up being, you know? up being but i love for like local shows i love hotel vegas i mean it's a really good venue chess
0: club is awesome
1: i actually haven't been there
0: it's phenomenal yeah. the owners of hotel vegas also own Chess Club. Okay. And it is like East Coast style microscopic divey. corner bar yeah. diving hardcore scene. Red it's, River. Red it's Red River and Seven. Yeah. It's where the old Plush Club was. Okay. And Plush was like drum and bass jungle whatever. Yeah. Went under during the pandemic. They put in Chess Club. It okay. is outstanding.
1: Well that's the other thing that's cool here too is like The venues are so good They're so good Like they're just It's like you go to a show And it's like You know the sound Is gonna be good Right You know that they're gonna be Fucking pro Right About all the technical Aspects of the venue Which that's not I mean dude like My band in Boston We play T.T. the Bears All the time Which is rest in peace You know but like that was, like, you know, like, the fucking Pixies played their early shows. That was a legendary sure. place, you know? Great and Scott. Yet, yeah, great, well, Great Scott was awesome.
0: Great Scott was but,
1: awesome. But, um, you know, like, TT's, it was, like, still. Zuzu was awesome. Yep. Well, the Middle East and Zuzu and TT's, right. they were right we're, on that corner I know. there. I've been. But it's, like, fucking TT's, for what a legendary place it was, it was a fucking disaster. You know yeah, what I mean? it was Like, a zoo. the sound is, like, fucking terrible. Right. Like in just, Cambridge
0: or Massachusetts, yeah.
1: Yeah, just like, so even when you go to good venues in other cities, sorry, sorry. Right. Um, the, a lot of times they're not <laughs> good venues. They're not. they're not, no. So like Austin, everywhere you go, you know, the other thing is like the crowds are always great. Like if you, when I was a touring musician before I lived in Austin, right. I don't know if people here realize how much every band on tour looks nice to forward see. to the Austin show wow, because you know... So that if you have a bad show in austin
0: it's they not because of the
1: crowd No, you know what i mean the crowd no. is always gonna bring it there they love live music they're right. savvy about it and they're gonna be psyched to see you if you're there and they're right. gonna be ready to party you know right like austin the other thing i love about it is it's uh, a rare combination of being an art centric place while also being very upbeat and fun right you know it's like I love Portland, Oregon too. It's in people like to say they're kind of sister cities. But like Portland is fucking grim at the same time. It's full of depressed artists. Right. You know, it's like I don't know how Austin has pulled off the thing of being like fun. Like all artists are depressed and no, it's, it's really fun, fun here. Yeah. Everybody. And I, I
0: think it's probably because it's a college town.
1: Yeah. Probably house.
0: because the fountain of youth runs.
1: I think the weather The it's weather, like weather helps it's yeah. Like Texas, I mean nobody's about the miserable. Yeah. You
0: know. Um, but... What I wanted to ask you is you had another story for me that was pretty good and I wanted to hear it.
1: Yeah, so this is a fucking, this is fucking, to me, this is amazing. So... Uh, The band I was in, we got to do some amazing tours. We toured with The Killers, Arcade Fire, LCD, MGMT. Through
0: Texas or throughout the the, country?
1: North America and Europe. Okay. Um, And uh, who else? Wallflowers, Third Eye Blind, Doves clinic. I mean, we got the tour. Some so was this tours. from a
0: festival, or this was just no? These touring, are just different
1: tours. Different tours. That we okay. Did with all these different bands. With all
0: these different bands.
1: So uh, the Wallflowers tour. Never been a giant Wallflowers fan. Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son. Right. But like, right. always respected them. You know, like they had their that one, one headlight. Yeah. I mean, sure. dude, when I hear that song, it's like this is a fucking good jam. Man. It's a great jam. And like I've heard My it one song. million times. Oh, yes. You know, yeah. but it's like a solid fucking jam. Solid. So anyway, we got to do a tour with them, is was really fun, their band was super friendly, super welcoming, but Jacob Dylan himself is a little bit reclusive, uh, not always around hanging out, you know, which of you can course. totally understand, like, he right. grew up with, like, people fucking climbing on his family's roof in Woodstock, New right. York, like,
0: for, for no he's seen, random.
1: like, the dark right. side of fame, like, right. very few people will ever see, so he's just, he's very chill, though, he's yeah. friendly when you see him, nice,
0: right.
1: but, like, not around, you know, kind of doing his own thing. But the last night of the tour, um, he Wait. hung out.
0: Um, Where was it?
1: The la- it was in Lowell, Mass. Was the last show of the tour, and um, it was a North American tour. But okay. that was the last show. Was in Lowell, Mass. Okay. And <clears throat> after the show, hung out on the bus, you know. And he hung out that night. He, right. like, he sure. hung out. He broke down. He was bro-ed social. You know. Sure, sure, sure. So, most fucking amazing story. So, I, I huge. The Clash was my favorite band. I love The Clash. They were my favorite band.
0: I got into them later in life, but now I really yeah. love them. They
1: were like one of the bands that made me want to be in a band. You yeah. Know? At the same time that I was really into Elliott Smith. Like, Paul
0: Simonin is my uh, fashion idol.
1: Dude, dude has aged well too. He's he did, fucking, right? He's handsome, right? Handsome Absolutely.
0: Guy. Absolutely. Knockdown, drag out for yeah. sure.
1: Like the um, Arcade Fire, I was in an early version of Arcade Fire as a member of Arcade Fire in the very beginning, but still friends and everything, and they were talking about meeting Paul Simon, and it was like, he walked down the hall, and you know Arcade Fire is like fucking 20 people in the band, half of which are girls, and they met Paul Simon, and he walked down the hall, and like every girl in the band was just like...
0: Broke their neck, yeah. Yeah, completely, completely. I would. yeah. The 12th is just unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable. I was just like The Clash. I still love the Clash. That's my little boyfriend. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's everyone's little boyfriend. I'll warn you, you're not
1: alone. alone.
0: I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. Okay. Um, So.
1: But anyway, huge Clash fan. That comes up in conversation somehow. Jacob Dylan, huge Clash fan when he was growing up. Nice. And Bob, his dad. Bob Dylan um, Yeah Bob the Oh my dad's Bob Dylan Bob He's also Dylan. like sure. My fucking alpha Of all time You know Whatever. Like Just obsessed with Bob Dylan Right um, But uh, He would kind of like Keep an eye Bob Dylan's never He's always kept up With what's going on sure. In pop and rock music sure. You know he kind of Pays attention, right? To what's big, and obviously has very strong assessments of what's good and what's not. Of course. So, like Jacob Dylan, growing up, got really into music, and is that what I was kind of like peek at what he was listening to, and kind of like stare side eye, you know? Going, mm, me, you know? Me, me,
0: me, So he's like right. playing
1: the Clash, like playing Lennon and and Dylan picks up the thing, and looks at him like, mm, yeah, okay, this is good, you know, gives this him cool. the nod. Yeah. It's like this passes, so. uh, they got they went to a clash show at some ah. And, of course, they're hooked up. They're backstage and everything. Jacob Dylan's like, 10 years old at this
0: point. Oh, my point. God. So
1: um, they're at the Clash, and Jacob Dylan he's talking to Joe Strummer, totally starstruck, you know, one of his heroes. And Joe Strummer had, like, the classic, like, black leather biker punk sure, jacket on. Sure, With the and fucking
0: bandanas and yeah, shit, yeah. with everything.
1: Yeah. And Jacob Dylan, which we emulated in Wildlife by the way, we did the bandanas on the arms. And oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. With the cigarette <laughs> um,
1: right there. Yeah. Yeah. But so Jacob Dylan to Joe Strummer is like, that jacket's so cool, I love your jacket. And Joe Strummer, being exactly who you hope he is, takes the jacket off and just fucking gives it to Jacob Dylan. Yeah, I like, bet. No questions asked. Joe's
0: the greatest. So Jacob
1: Dylan gets Joe Strummer's fucking jacket. jacket. Right. And, you know, he has it at home, the Dylan household, you know, it's like in his closet or whatever. And, cool. Uh, yeah. Cool. Should yeah. be in
0: a fucking museum, but it's yeah, in this exactly. guy's closet. Exactly. Nice.
1: So he moves out, you know, like becomes yeah. an adult or whatever. And right. At one point, it's goes, in a U hole
0: box somewhere. He, yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> but no, what happened is he goes home. To see Sarah Dylan, as in Sarah, the last song on Bob Dylan album Desire, no like shit, fucking one of the most beautiful songs Never that he written. wrote for his wife after they were divorced right. in the attempt to reconcile, right. to which woo apparently her. did not work. But we got a, We all got a great song out of it. Yeah. Anyway. Jacob goes home to, uh, and wants to retrieve his Joe Strummer jacket, which his mother, Sarah Dillon, has given to Goodwill.
0: (laughs) No! Get the fuck out of here! No! Well.
1: So just no the like way. multiple levels of that story no. uh, like are fucking insane. You know,
0: dude, that's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine it's almost like the guy, like the woman that got the piece of art at Goodwill. She found like a Roman bust, yeah. and it was from like
1: oh, fucking Greece or like whatever Rome, Rome. Actually like Rome.
0: actually Rome. Rome. <laughs> <laughs> and she got it for like thirty nine ninety nine yeah, at the Goodwill. <laughs> less,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like so, yeah, Joe Joe Swimmer's jacket jacket is there on some hipster, yeah, who has no idea. Idea. no
0: idea yeah. that's unbelievable
1: so that was pretty that's fucking that's pretty good that, was pretty that opens
0: up the pocket finds the lyrics you're like nah. No, what is that you know just <laughs> metropolitan costume art just
1: yeah.
0: fucking nice that
1: was a good one <laughs> that's a good one another little good one a little good one um, are we still good we're good we're okay. great uh, time is a so the essence baby we toured with third eye blind too right. who was you know big pop band or whatever I will, right i i will full disclosure that first third i bought the record i fucking rock this. shit what
0: like motorcycle song. drive-by fuck yeah yeah so good
1: that whole album, dude, like, I love people that. don't know, like, the singles aren't, like, the non-singles are fucking Are baller! Graduate, fucking graduate, baller. losing a whole baller. year. Yes. The whole fucking record's great. They're right, good. fucking
0: good. I'm
1: I'm the it's aged well, too, you know? Yes. At the time, I thought I'll it was so still listen to it. People talked about, like, them and Matchbox 20 as being right. like, these rivals. It's like, dude, Matchbox 20 is fucking trash, man. Threadline's awesome. Anyway. Anyhow. So we got to do this tour with them, which was cool. They were super nice, super right. friendly. Singers, super friendly. A lot right. of times these guys who come off brash in the press... Sure. ...are not like no, that No, they were person.
0: lovely. I get so, that.
1: Uh, he... The day we arrived for the tour... Um, you know, our band, we try to come correct with our dress sure. and whatnot. We sure, Try to dress sharp, look. Sure, good. sure, sure.
0: Have always a look. Had,
1: always had some good footwear going. Oh and, yeah. Uh, so the guy in Third Eye Blind, the first day, it's like a first conversation. We meet him, right. super friendly. And Who?
0: Stephen Jenkins.
1: Yes, yeah, Stephen Jenkins. The
0: lead singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. And he's like, uh, the like one of the last things he said in the conversation. He's like, and I just want to say, you can tell everything you need to know about a man by <laughs> his shoes, and you guys are good men. <laughs> <laughs> but best part of that story is at the time he was wearing flip-flops with turquoise painted toenails.
0: Get out of here. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Did he play with them? Like he played uh, with he the flip-flops?
1: Yeah, he play, well, he plays barefoot.
0: Oh, he does? Yeah,
1: he's got the big, like, rug in the middle of the stage barefoot performer.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, <laughs> what is it? Joan Osborne of him?
1: Yeah, something like that. Something, <laughs> something like, like that. that. Very,
0: yeah. very, uh, 90s. Yeah. But that was
1: cool. And we got to hang out with the boss and get drunk with them, too. And they were super nice. That was a quick one. We just did like four or five shows with them. Lovely. But it was super cool.
0: Lovely. Well, thank you for being on the show, Tim. My pleasure. This is episode eight. Probably seven or eight. Hopefully eight. Nice. Of Loudest Love. I am Lauren Darcy. And uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Peace.